I'm ready, I'm feeling good, and wherever you are, whenever you are, and however you happen to be listening, we're so glad you've chosen to tune in to DLC. Hey, are you excited this week? Are you ready for the Star Wars? I'm so excited. We're going to get you through this week, at least 90 plus minutes of it, with Game Talk, because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free, which is thanks to our sponsor this week, Linda. Oh, Linda! Linda made that possible, bringing the show to you, and DLC, of course, the show all about games in their many forms. Games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Kanata, which is spelled with two N's and one T, and I'm joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis... The guy who, it must be noted, uh, has a, a vast difference from last week, right? There's a vast difference between you and today and last week, Christian. Is that right? Christian Spicer, everybody. Well, there's less of one. <laughs> uh, I'm back, baby. And, uh, you're back. Uh, yes, I'm, I'm hopefully done with children. I love my kids more than anything in the world, which is why I don't want to have any more of them. <laughs> uh, and I'm happy to be here. Lots of gaming going on, some fun gaming news, and a great guest. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a good Monday. Yeah, man, I'm I'm thrilled. I woke up this morning like it was Christmas morning. Uh, not the least of which because we do have an excellent guest. You know, if you are a frequent listener of the show, that DLC stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week, oh man, we're excited because DLC stands for Deep Lord of the Rings Comprehension <laughs> because we have a genuine Tolkien expert. As well as editor and writer at GameSpot.com, this is Alexa Ray Korea. Hey, welcome, Alexa Ray. Thank you for having me. <laughs> We're excited to have you. Yeah, you are. Uh, you are a a Tolkien fanatic. Is that right? Oh yeah, absolute complete nerd, total nerd. <laughs> That's awesome. And uh, you guys are are at uh, GameSpot right now, working on your Game of the Year stuff, right? Yeah, we have all that going up, I think, later this week and next week, so definitely come back for that. Yeah, it's a very exciting time of year. we got lots to talk about this week also, so uh, let's get right to it, guys. Let's start the way we always do with Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happened in the world of games this week. Alex Ray, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. Uh, these are submitted sometimes by our listeners. You can always submit stories by using our hashtag on Twitter, DLCSOTW, or by visiting our subreddit, which is uh, 5x5dlc.reddit.com. Uh, we also love getting your feedback. Any questions or comments you have, uh, you can always send those to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. But Alexa Ray, I'm curious, what is your story of the week? Um, I'm going to have to go with, because it's something that I've, that I've played, and I have sort of a silly story that goes with it, um, Oculus Shipping with Eve, Valkyrie. Ooh, yes. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping you are on the VR bandwagon like I am. Um, but yeah, this is a cool thing. This is, <laughs> this is anybody that pre-orders Oculus Rift, they announced this week, you will get a free copy of Eve Valkyrie. Um, I, think that's a, I think that's a great pack-in. I think that's a game that, it was the first game that I ever played uh, on these new VR headsets, and it was the one that sold me on the whole concept. So I think it's a great idea. Are, are you agreeing that it is, it is a good idea? 
So I actually have a very troubled relationship with VR and Eve Valkyrie was the first uh, VR game that I ever played also, but um, I walked away from it and immediately barfed everywhere. Oh no! Um, I have <laughs> I have really bad motion sickness and uh, VR. I'm trying to my goal for 2016 is to overcome it so I can actually get into VR and really get into it because I played Res on the Morpheus. Uh, sorry, PlayStation VR at um, PSX and I really loved it and I felt fine. But Eve Valkyrie is such a great it's it's such a great game and I can't think of anything else that I've seen on VR that would be a better fit for like a launch title mm-hmm. for Oculus Rift. So. Did you play it a long time ago? Because I, I'm, you know, my understanding is that they've done a lot of work in the in the last several did, did months. You, did you on... play it a long time ago? Because I love it, and you don't <laughs> love it. So clearly, <laughs> no. Uh, oh, I think we lost her. Uh, we've been having problems with Alexa Ray's uh, internet connection oh, all morning. Also so. known as you hanging up on someone who disagrees with you. Well, you know, <laughs> maybe uh, maybe when she learns to like the game and not throw up, she'll be able to come back on the show. No, that I has kid, I kid. Um, yeah, uh, she's been having. Hopefully, this isn't going to continue through the entire show. But, um, but what do you is, think about this, Christian? I mean, that is VR's uncanny valley, so to speak. Right? It's the glasses issue. There's it's threefold. Uh, well, four. I'm thinking four. Four big things: glasses issue, long-term wearability, nausea, and then cord management. Like, if it's all about ease of use, and if you're able to get it on, use it for a long time, hour. I would say an hour, at least a minimum of an hour, without feeling sick. That's a huge win. Yeah, and, and it's it's actually even more worrisome for me that she had such a problem with this particular game because I feel like, um, you know. Uh, Eve Valkyrie in particular is one of those games where it doesn't have the same motion sickness issues with a lot of the first person other titles that they're working on for VR because you're seated in a stationary place. Yeah. Yeah. And you're able to look around and, uh, you know, look 360 degrees, but you're, you're locked in that cockpit and it gives you a point of reference. And I feel like a lot of the games that people have more problems with don't have don't have that aspect to it. So, and I wonder if uh, that can be fixed too, in the sense that it's not even a latency issue. It's some, and I'm not a a, a brain scientist, <laughs> uh, but if there's something in the cognitive disconnect between you feeling and sensing this real movement, but it not being tied one to one to your actual body's movement, even with like the cool valve gloves or, you know, the move controllers, or if you're on a treadmill, I wonder if there's still something just slightly off that will make people feel sick the way that uh, I know people get sicker in star tours, for example, or the back to the future style ride at Disney than they do in a real car. There's something just not quite one to one with it. And I don't know, mm-hmm. I mean, I wonder if people will ever overcome that or if our brains are just too dumb. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's... Um, Hi. Oh, she's back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, we were just talking about how that, uh, you know, this is problematic, certainly, and that would cause somebody to barf. But um, we were wondering if, if you had played it recently or if this was like the first iteration of the Oculus that you played Evocreon, because supposedly they've done, you know, taken strides in this regard. Yeah, I played it last year, 83, so 2014. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and no, I've like, I've heard from everyone here in the office that is, have played it, that it's just phenomenal and it's really comfortable, but I was very hesitant to go back to it because nothing is more embarrassing than like <laughs> sh- shaking someone's hand while you're like turning green and then like sprinting down the hall at E3 to like uh, make sure you don't embarrass yourself. That's um, the worst. But I am hoping to go back to it and this really excites me. I really want to be on the van- bandwagon. I really like the idea. And I really want to just suck it up and do it. <laughs> well, tell me your experience playing um, Res at PSX, because you're the first person that we've talked to that had an actual first-person experience uh, with that. Ooh. So did, was that fun? Yeah. So I didn't play with the suit. I didn't get to play with the suit. But I, uh, they just sit you down, and you can um, – if you're familiar with Res, you have to line up a bunch of uh, enemies on screen, chain them together, and then you sort of shoot little – little darts at them and they all pop off and it's musical and it's rhythmic and it's really, really awesome. And you're moving through this like t- technicolor neon eighties nightmare hallway at all times. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's, and it's, it can be really scary, but uh, you don't, it's not in first person. And I think that's part of why I didn't get sick. It was, uh, you're sort of watching your little alien figure floating through the hallway as opposed to being the alien figure. So when you look down, like you don't see your arms, like you're holding the controller, but you look down, you can't see your arms. It's just the nightmare hallway stretching on forever. <laughs> and in order to, <laughs> and in order to um, capture the enemies and highlight the enemies, you actually look where in the PlayStation VR. So you look at them and the game recognizes you're looking at this enemy. You've targeted this enemy. And if all of them are in a row across the screen, you can actually look, you know, from left to right and chain all of them together. And then you hit like the X button on the DualShock and all of them explode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really comfortable experience. It's like I was expecting to get sick from moving my head around, but I think the way that um, the way that the the PlayStation VR fits on my head and the way it's really comfortable. And I think also the way that Res is set up, I think it's the perfect game for someone like me who has some trouble VR um, or like a good way to ease into it. But it was awesome. Like, I love that game, but being inside of it is actually like being in a rave where, you know, you're the only person in the rave and you don't have to deal with like rave problems. It's just you and your little alien and like some really great music. It was awesome. No rave problems. No rave problems. Uh, I also like the idea of you calling it a nightmare hallway because some people would call it like a Daft Punk lucid dream hallway of like the best coolest experience. But you're like, no, no, it's terrifying and awful. It's a nightmare experience. It's it's pretty it's pretty terrifying. There were a couple of moments where I could hear the I had headphones on, but I could hear the attendant at uh, PSX laughing at me because uh, Res would it would turn it'd be like next level and it would like turn the whole camera around and then I'd like go down the nightmare. Uh oh, I think she has a time limit. <laughs> How long she can she can hang out with us, Christian? One <laughs> hundred collect and then. When your time's up, man, I hate the internet sometimes. You didn't know that uh, Alexa Ray is actually calling us from prison, and uh, uh. <laughs> she's on a she's on a very. It's like uh, Orange is the New Black. She's got a very limited window to talk. But once we convince uh, everyone, it was Kilgrave the whole time. Yeah, uh, um, I feel awful about this. I'm so I'm so sad that she's having such issues with her. I guess she's at work. And if anybody has ever had problems with GameSpot.com, now you know why. This is <laughs> oh, their work. Oh, no, event. Jeff. Uh, you can't do that when she's not here. Let me do that. You're the nice guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. I forgot. I'm, ba- I'm good cop. Yeah, you're good cop. Um, well, let's move on then to uh, your story of the week, Christian. What, what, do you, uh, what do you got as a pick? Well, it was going to be her horrible internet connection, but I think we covered <laughs> that. Um, no, this is the biggest news I think coming out in a long time, and I, I, I don't mean that sarcastically, EA is forming an esports division, 
And I know this is EA, so it can be canceled and go away, and they can show you a snippet of the new Mass Effect that's 20 years away, and then it will never come out, and they'll promise Mirror's Edge for forever, and it actually will come out, and then they'll cancel uh, the Burnout series and just leave you hanging, holding, hoping, praying. But an esports division, this is a big commitment to something that, what, 50 episodes ago, people were arguing about it's not a real sport. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Okay, I think I fixed the problem. Oh, good. <laughs> Good. We're uh, we're we're still rocking. Um, we moved on to Christian's story of the week. He picked the uh, EA announcement that they're forming an esports division. And I get so. it because they're going to be focusing a lot of their games, right? I mean, it's very self interested. It's not as if EA is like, and we're going to be playing Overwatch all day. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I don't know. I think it's still pretty big. Uh, Peter Moore is kind of spearheading the effort, or or was or is. I guess he hasn't left yet, but has said he's leaving. And um, I think this could be huge. Am I am I crazy? Well, this is certainly. I think yes. It shows that Peter Moore, you know, takes it seriously. It's his last act before he leaves the company uh, that he wants to form this new start esports, e-sports and I'm out. Deal with that and peace out. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think this is pretty exciting too. Certainly, it it is a yet another signpost that esports is real and here to stay, and people are taking it seriously. That's great. Um. And certainly the stable at EA, you know, they, they name check Madden, FIFA, Battlefield. These are all games that I think already have vibrant, you know, competitive um, communities. And to have that sort of galvanized into something official and have EA putting resources and energy into making it something big, I think that's a good thing. Uh, what do you think, Alexa Ray? Um, I... I so I uh, live with someone who my significant other is obsessed with Dota, mm-hmm. and he goes to the international every every year. And he tells me, and I'm like, "Well, why are you going? You're flying to Seattle and sitting in a room with five thousand other people watching ten dudes play a video game." Mm-hmm. At least I reduce it to that because I don't quite understand the esports appeal. But the way that he he describes it is like esports is what is driving our community and it's a way that sort of legitimizes the stereotype of like the oh like a gamer is someone who like sits in their basement and plays this game forever and you have these guys that are now earning like millions of dollars for playing a game for you know two hours on a stage um and i definitely think like the media still has a problem with the whole like oh like like uh, he's a gamer like he's your typical nerd like we see these stories pop up every now and then and it's always disappointing but i think esports is one of the ways that um sort of people see it as like, oh, yeah, like this is a thing. This is our, you know, not a sport, but this is like the community activity that sort of brings us all together. And I can definitely quite be right, though. I think it is just this just 10 people watching a room and it's just dumb. Just like (laughs) Lord of the Rings is just like a little hairy guy (laughs) going camping. All right. Look, look. (laughs) I was going to say, you know, you can be reductive and say, you know, it's I would travel miles and deal with parking and walk into a giant arena to watch you know, 10 guys try to throw a spheroid into a hoop. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, I think it's, it's not untrue, but it also sort of misses the excitement level, which is that people are genuinely into this competition. And I agree with you, Alexa Ray. I think that anything that mainstreams, I, I don't know, we're already mainstream, right? It's already a thing. I think it's really just a an age issue now there's people who didn't grow up with it and there's people who did grow up with it and anybody past a certain demarcation line understands games and you know idiots like colin cowherd don't 
you know, Ooh. and that's that's just the way it Shots is. Shots fired. You hear that? The herd come at us, bro. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, uh, it's interesting. Uh, Purple Hydra in the in the chat here says it, he thinks it's a response to Blizzard. Um, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily a direct response to Blizzard, but I would certainly say it's a response to the idea that esports is growing and everybody sort of wants to get in on the ground floor of it. Mm-hmm. And it, it really only has upside at this point. We have nowhere near reached the ceiling on what esports is. And if, you know, if EA, who is not in the MOBA business, uh, can kind of capture maybe a different side of that uh, with with sports titles and and things that they already are doing um i think it could grow and widen the esports platform as a whole anyway so that's kind of cool well i'm looking forward to ea sports presents esports the game where you are playing (laughs) the game as an esport competitor playing the game i mean my fear for esports in general and i think ea doing this now um highlights the real possibility of it is this the what we're seeing in streaming media TV right now, right? There's Netflix, Hulu, Yahoo Screen, Amazon Prime, Crackle, something else I'm forgetting, something else I'm forgetting. And because everyone was so afraid of this iTunes model where it dominated the digital music space and, you know, really couldn't be negotiated against, everyone wants to have their own Sesso, their own Go90, their own piece of this pie where it's like you're paying $5 for this, $10 for this, $6 for this. And if you have this multitude mm-hmm. of esports leagues, and I know they're focusing on different games, but it becomes a little harder to follow than my football is the NFL, my baseball is MLB, you know, and this, this concentrated effort of what this thing is. And so now you say esports, that's great. But are you talking Capcom Cup? Are you talking... League of Legends? Are you talking EA esports? It, yeah. It's harder to do when you're that diversified. Let me ask you this question, Alexa Ray. Is <laughs> there any potential downside in the idea that these games will actually be designed with an eye towards esports? Does that hurt the end user experience in any way, or is it only positive? Well, I don't think it. I don't think it would. It would hurt it for the people that like to, you know, maybe get online and like just play a couple games with their friends. I know. My brother's really big on Halo, and he just likes to get on and, like, shoot around with his friends for a couple hours, and they don't really aspire to get better at it. They just aspire to, like, have fun and work together. But I can definitely see it being a problem if there's, say, like, people who are maybe more into the competitive aspect and people who are not uh, getting matched up in, like, just, like, random online servers. I know Battlefront, Star Wars Battlefront, has that problem right now where there's no, like, match ranking. So you could be, like, four noobs going in against like a team of 10 guys that are like absolutely amazing and that love that have been practicing and that are you know aiming to do something with this and then you sort of get like shut up and People that's the end the of the story about the rebel alliance though and look how that turned out <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. but i do think <laughs> i do think that there's no i don't think there's any real loss here except for when you get a game that has that clearly that has no single player like Battlefront and Rainbow Six Siege. That's two major games that came out this fall with no single player experience for someone who maybe just wants to experience the game and play by themselves. I don't really like playing with people online because I like other people are unpredictable and I like to know that if I miss a shot, it was my fault. You don't even so, like to be at a rave with other people. So no, I, I don't. Yeah. I like to, <laughs> I am the antisocial gamer. Um, but I mean, that's when it starts to get detrimental when companies say, okay, we're going to make a game that's going to be geared towards esports, that's going to build a, you know, a uh, competitive community around it. And then there's nothing there for the people that maybe don't want to be competitive. Yeah. So that's the trade off. 
Yeah, that's my worry too. And I, I don't think it's necessarily a big worry uh, because usually these games benefit from like any kind of energy around uh, a title or a franchise from esports is usually beneficial. It is an influx of of money and it's an influx of attention and it's it means that the de- designers are working hard on it and trying to balance the game. So usually it's a good thing, but there's a tiny little nagging part of me in the back of my mind that goes, you know, I don't I don't want every game to be positioned as a competition necessarily. Like right. it, sometimes I just want it to be a great experience for me. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. So um my story of the week while I'm definitely tempted by that Oculus Rift story, uh, I think I'm more excited by the announcement, the official announcement. There was a leak earlier, but this is the official confirmation that we're getting a System Shock 3, guys. Yeah. Uh, there is a teaser site online uh, that shows very little, just a bit of audio, but it looks like the uh, original voice actor for Shodan is uh, – back and teasing teasing us with um some new content about the fact that showdown will be in the game and uh, system shock 3 is happening uh some of the original members of the team uh, are back as well um and this is a real thing i mean i think when it's maybe hard to remember because bioshock cast such a long shadow but when bioshock was announced it was we were excited because it was a spiritual successor successor to system shock which was really the big daddy and now bioshock has usurped it as far as um, our you know recent memory but i think system shock is a it, it was a great game system shock 2 is a great game so the fact that we're getting an official sequel is pretty cool um sounds like you're on that page too alexa ray Oh yeah, I was uh I was sitting on my couch last night. I know that last week they sort of announced like, oh, they confirmed that there was another system shock coming, but I was sitting on my couch last night when uh, my Twitter started blowing up and people were like, oh my God, look at this teaser. And I looked at the teaser and like, I don't remember much about system shock because it's been so long, but like hearing that, hearing the voice actors say those words, like there was that little um, like audio clip at the bottom, but Mm -hmm. seeing that art and then hearing her talk, I was just like, okay, all right, we're in, I'm all in. Very yeah. chilling. <laughs> it's it's so cool. I mean, Irrational Games is not making it, to answer Stats1's question in the chat. Uh, it is uh, Other Side, which is um, the company that was involved in the um, the update that's happening of the original System Shock and the other guys that sort of got System Shock out on good old games. And they've been associated with it for a while. But um, they are uh, de- having people from Looking Glass uh, involved. And it looks like a good pedigree. I think there's pretty big shoes to fill for the sequel. Um, Christian, what are you, what are you thinking about this? I think that's the hardest thing is that having a spiritual successor to a game you loved is almost easier because it'd be like, Oh, well it's not as good, but coming out with system shock three, not even, you know, uh, system shock, the reboot, like XCOM, you know, it's like, Hey, it's a new XCOM. It's a little different, but it's like XCOM for now. This is no, this is the third <laughs> one of the series that you love that defined gaming for you. 20 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, wow. Uh, this is where I would queue under pressure, you know, and just have it running in the background as they make this thing <laughs> that I hope is great. But whoever is, is, you know, swinging their authority around over there when they got the rights for this, they're, they're going all in. And I think this game can only, unfortunately, all it can do is live up to expectations. I think it will be hard for it to exceed expectations. Whereas a game like Ori in the Blind Forest or something that, you know, it's a lesser known little thing that you come out and you make and you blow people away. And everyone's like, this is the best thing ever. No, this is System Shock 3. This is Fallout <laughs> 3, like the equivalent of what yeah. that game had to do. So I hope they well, can I would pull actually, it off. 
it's interesting you bring up Fallout 3 because I actually feel like the fact that there are games like Fallout and Bioshock and Deus Ex being made now. I mean, when System Shock came out, there wasn't anything like that. But now that's it, it's much more common to have these hybrid uh, role-playing games, uh, first-person role-playing games where you can attack things from multiple uh, strat- strategical places and you know be stealthy or be smart or talk your way out of things. I think the the template is much more... Uh, widespread now and it system shock isn't the only game that you know it isn't the only player on the block anymore you also mentioned like five of people's favorite games of all times that's true that's true and here's this new game coming out from a smaller studio that has to it's tough man i hope they do it but it is not an enviable position i think yeah yeah (laughs) all right guys um some other stories I wanted to get to. But first, I do want to thank our sponsor, Linda. Let me tell you a quick story. Um, My father-in-law, my wife's dad, uh, is a retired firefighter. And he had started um, to make extra money in in retirement. He started selling Medicare. And uh, he was asking me all this stuff. He's, you know, starting this whole new chapter in his life and learning how to market himself and get on the internet and do things and he's you know trying to have a website and trying to learn these different programs and do things and he was like constantly asking me all these questions and and things and how do I do this and how do I use that program and it occurred to me the best thing in the world for this guy is Linda because Linda is a place you could go and find out pretty much how to use any program on the web. They have over 3,000 on-demand video courses that let you learn how to use things, learn how to uh, design websites, learn how to create video games. They have all kinds of classes in HTML5. They have anything that you might want to do, photography classes. Um, These are professional series made by smart experts in their field who know how to make video. It's not just some joker on YouTube putting some together. It's, it's really high quality stuff and it's all transcribed so you can do keyword searches and then it'll jump right to the moment of the video that you need. So you don't have to watch a whole long video just to try to get to the nugget of information you need. And I thought, man, this is perfect. He can, he can learn uh, all these things he needs to learn. He can study at his own pl- pace. These are professional videos. It's not something that he's going to be confused about or uh, upset because the YouTube person is, is not good at what they're doing. Uh, and I thought this is the perfect gift. So I say all that to say, hey, it's, we're coming up on the holidays. Why not give the gift of learning to a loved one, somebody that maybe is interested in getting into video game design, maybe a, a young person in your family or uh, maybe there's somebody that is super into photography or super into web design. These are courses. Uh, you get the whole run of the site. You get all 3,000 courses for one low, low price. And we're actually going to give you a, a free trial. So you can check it out for them or you can give them the free trial. All you got to do is go to lynda.com slash DLC. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash DLC. Uh, sign up. You get a complete month of unlimited access. You can check out uh, all the, the entire site. Oh, I'm sorry, not a month. It's 10 days, 10 day free trial, but that should be plenty. 10 day free trial. Check out the entire run of the site, learn some new skills or uh, share this with somebody for a, as a gift. And uh, I, I think it's something that I use. It's something that I have recommended to loved ones. As I said, uh, it's something that I really believe in. It's lynda.com slash DLC. L-Y-N-D-A.com slash DLC. Uh, try today and let them know that uh, you heard about it here by using our, uh, our custom URL there. Uh, the slash DLC is important so that they know that you heard about it on our show. 
All right, guys. A um, couple other quick stories I wanted to hit. Uh, the first is that uh, Valve released a press release this week. That's pretty shocking. Um, they're saying that every single month, more than 77,000 Steam accounts get hijacked, which just Ew. seems remarkable and terrifying. Um, they're saying that basically the idea is that because they are these tradable items, people get their account hijacked. And then there's this crazy network of trading that happens that are really organized, almost like a crime syndicate of traded online items, uh, items like these um, these real uh, exclusive um, rare knives in Counter-Strike Go that trade for hundreds if not thousands of dollars. And people get their accounts hijacked. They trade out their all the items in their accounts. They log on and everything's gone. Uh, and it's happening at a remarkable rate. And so they're suggesting that people get um, two-step, two-factor authentic- uh, authentication to log into Steam. And uh, they've initiated a, a sort of an escrow period for trades so that uh, your stuff is on hold for a, a short period of time before it's traded. So you can't have your whole thing wiped out before you even, even know what is going on. So Jesus. all that to say, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, what's your reaction, Alex Ray? That's awful. Yeah. Um, it's sort of disconcerting to me that like all those movies that are like, oh, like the, the, the digital hacker network is taking over the world and stealing all of our items is actually happening now uh, yeah. with video games. <laughs> <laughs> like forget like illegal Bitcoin trading, like where are my CSGO knives at? This is actually really like sad because I know a lot of people that only game on Steam. So Steam is like their hub for everything. So having an item that they worked really hard to get and then having it like sold away, I imagine is really awful this is really scary i remember reading that press release and just being like that number is way too high like do i have any items and i like immediately went to my account to see if there were any items that maybe were out of place or not there um it's really scary it's very future futuristic scary yeah it's amazing that this is happening so frequently uh eth demon in the chat thinks that the numbers is acceptable because of the number of uh, users on steam but i think that every month dude every month seems a little high um Christian, what's your take? It's tough. I mean, I, I think the, the the bigger issue is what else is being hacked? Because or how easy <laughs> is this? Right? I mean, like this is low hanging fruit to some extent. I guess if you're able to do it and you have the skills and you're Mr. Robot and you get in, you get out, and you make a few bucks on a knife or whatever, you know, the example was. Um, sure, why not? But I don't know, it just seems like why? Why do this? Why do this to people? It's just Internet trolling, it's like the next level bullying where they're pushing you in a locker because they can. And I think that's the real unfortunate side of it. It's just just be better to each other, people. That's all you have to do. Just be nicer to each other. And and then uh, at some point, we need to move away from using social security numbers in the U.S. as uh, secret identifiers for people because hey, we have a better way to encrypt data. And that will still be hacked. But uh, the world is a mess. Someone has stolen your identity. And anything you have in your Steam account is also mine. <laughs> I mean, it's, is it, this it enough sucks. to get you guys to uh, use two-step authentication? To, to I do. Log in. You do already? Yeah. I, do. I, I use two-step on everything. Should. Oh, you do? Well, you guys are better yeah. than me. <laughs> that's for sure. And I mean, I also do anybody that's listening that wants to hack me. Jeff Kanata, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, you guys. It's, How uh... did you know that? <laughs> no, your password <laughs> Your password is actually just Kanata with one N and two Ts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's why I'm constantly telling people the wrong information. <laughs> just to throw them off the scent. Brilliant. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's scary, though. I don't know. If anyone has had their stuff hacked and you kind of want to share the experience, of course, you can always email us or tweet at us. But uh, it, it has to, it's the worst, right? I think it's those little things that sometimes feel the most violating than anything else. Like you misplace your wallet and you know you'll get everything back at some point. You'll cancel your credit cards, but you're still just like, man, it, it, it sucks. Well, let this be a lesson to anybody listening that, that might be like me that hasn't been using the two-step because it's worth it and it, it, it can happen to you. It's not just other people. Um, Alexa Ray, I'm curious your position on Star Citizen. Uh, we oh, heard geez. this week. Oh, geez. Oh, that's <laughs> no. an interesting reaction. Uh, we heard this week that it hit the $100 million donation mark, which is pretty insane. And they just opened up their Alpha 2.0 to all backers. And there's a bunch of new features in Alpha 2.0. But uh, just, you know, we've talked at length about this title uh, in previous weeks on the show. But I haven't heard your your take on it. So what do you think? Uh, okay, so this has been going on for how many years now? Star uh, Citizen? Two? Two? Uh, is it? Where's that information? I think they didn't they launch the their initial thing two years ago, or am I? Is it more than that? I think it's more. I think um, we were still at weekend confirmed when it launched because I think Mattis went and checked it out like on a little laptop demo way back in the day. So it's about two to three years, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I know that. Well, I know that development started in 2011, but I know the Kickstarter was a little bit more recent. Um. Or their funding campaign. I I would like to to see a game. Um. Please. I know I've heard like I've like been to events and I've read about it and I feel like every other week it's like, oh, it's at 80 million now. It's at 90 million. And now that it's at 100 million and that's absolutely bonkers. Um, Given given the fact that I know we're like right now we're sort of in this age where it's like, oh, don't trust Kickstarter because so many major funding or, or crowdfunding because so many major crowdfunding campaigns for games that were maybe very high profile when they were announced in 2012 or 2013 have not delivered. Um, most recently, the project uh, Project Phoenix, which is that uh, indie old school Japanese JRPG, which yes, I backed because I'm a JRPG nerd. Um, they were waiting on a programmer, and now they've delayed it from. It was supposed to the release last year, and yeah. now they're saying it won't come out until 2018. Yeah, the, I'm curious about that. We uh, I was looking at that last week. The um, it seems like it's a little worse than that too. It seems like they were really misleading people as to who was involved and who was actually confirmed to be involved. Are you? Yeah. Do you feel burned? I feel really, I feel really, really burned. I'm a big, like I'm a big JRPG person. So when I read like all the names, I was like, okay, this is amazing. I'm on board, and I think I gave like thirty dollars. Um, and uh, they were very mysterious about about their programmer, and we learned later that the programmer is the programmer for Ori in the Blind Forest. Right. But he but he still hasn't joined them. And part of me is thinking like, why would you why would you start this project, and why would you wait on a project for one particular programmer? Like, like if that programmer can't do his job, like can't you like I know he's the one you want, but can you move on and find another one? Like, what kind of legal binding contract did you put him in or put yourself in that you had to wait for this individual? Yeah. So I feel I feel really 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 burned um, because they're not offering refunds and they've sort of been a little catty about it about how they don't want to offer refunds because then they would have no money to finish the project. But at the same time, it's like, well, it's been three years and you didn't deliver. And you know, if, with any other service, you know, with Uber, if I don't get to my house safely and the driver's a maniac, I'm going to write you a bad wreck and you're going to refund my trip. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand yeah. why. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy that they are saying it's delayed. And, you know, we was going to come out this year, but instead it's going to come out three years from now. That's like, what? Yeah. That's more than a minor delay, guys. 
Um, but you know, I I have to say we we definitely should put a big uh, space between that project, which we know to be disappointing, and Star Citizen, and which one. yeah, yeah, which you know has a flurry of controversy around it, but. It looks like, you know, they've opened up this Alpha 2.0 to every backer. So that's that's cool. Like people are that's actually going to yeah. get to play something. And they debuted a new trailer at the Game Awards that was all in-game captures. So mm. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see that, but it's it looks pretty cool. It looks I'm hopeful. Yeah. I don't know. It, it no, it it looks really good as someone who couldn't get into Eve because it was a little too thick for me. I Star Citizen is looks super interesting and I would really like to like to get my hands on it. I do think like I know the whole like part of me wonders why are people still giving this project money when it's not done yet, but at the same time I do think that opening the alpha to everyone who has backed is like a really good faith move and I think the more that they sort of put in people's hands like the more people will be like, oh, "Okay, I get it." And even if, you know, development trails on for another year, if we, you know, are getting early access and we're getting access and we're actually getting to tinker with it, I think that that's a really good move to keep people from, you know, maybe falling into the same hole that these other crowdfunding campaigns have fallen into. So I think that was a really good idea on their part. Yeah, I agree. Um, SR7 in the chat asked if Star Citizen's cult is any different than Shenmue's. What do you think, Ooh. Christian? Uh, it has much deeper pockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, I don't know. I haven't seen the extent of Shenmue's pockets, but yeah. Yeah, I, I mean... I think I agree where it's why are people still funding this? But at the end of the day, if it's their money and it, it makes them happy, go for it. My biggest concern is why are you still trying to raise money at some point? It's like a political campaign. At some point, I feel like stop raising mm-hmm. money and start doing your job. But politics is built around the constant reelection cycle. So you're constantly mm-hmm. your job, I guess, is to campaign for money. But at some point, their job is to make a game. And how much money is all the monies like? <laughs> Did you have enough? Make the game already. Quit letting people give you money. I think that'd be really interesting if they said, we have enough. Thank you, everyone that supported us. Everyone else, enter your email here, and we will notify you as soon as the game is available for purchase. I know that goes against capitalism, but I just feel like this is like, <laughs> everybody can give us money now for a thing that may or may not exist, but here's a trailer of in-game capture. Well, that was in-game capture at an earlier date. <laughs> now we've moved on to the beta engine. The beta engine requires 10 more years of development. Give us some money. <laughs> it's, it feels... It feels used car salesman to me. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's hard not but to I, think that. But I think the thing with Shenmue is like Star Citizen is like a, it's sort of like a, like a new thing. I know it's like got a lot of like, it's a spiritual successor, but it genuinely feels like this new, really interesting thing. Whereas Shenmue, I think people remember that game being a lot better than it was. Oh, that's for sure. So that's for sure. as somebody who played both Shenmue's, <laughs> To, to completion and, and li- liked them at their time, I can certainly see the warts in the in those guys still. Um, really? I thought yes. the graphics were a little too blurry. but um... Yeah, you can't actually see warts on any of the models, but they're there. <laughs> okay, great. Great. Yeah. Push A to wart. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think Chris Roberts here is the is the equivalent. You know, he's the guy that, that you know, the nostalgia comes from him and comes from Wing Commander. I don't know. I don't know. People at this point are going in pretty eyes wide open. Like if you give money today, like you got to know, you got to know what you're doing. So that's fine. It's something. It is something. I mean, Shenmue right now isn't anything and this is something. So that's, that's something. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, All right. Let's move on and talk about what we've been playing uh, by hitting up the playlist. Alexa Ray, what is on your playlist this week? Uh, so I'm 
playing some like really out there stuff, or maybe not. Uh, Final Fantasy VII came out on PlayStation, mm-hmm. so I've been replaying it um, just because uh, all of that hype about the remake. I sort of thought, you know, well, it's been a while, and and I, you know, I've sort of been bogged down by all of the the compendium of Final Fantasy with Advent Children and all those other bad games that came out in the Final Fantasy VII universe. So I'm replaying that, uh, and it's the mobile port, so it looks a little bit like butt. But it's still uh, <laughs> can't see the warts. No, no, no warts. They're just now like just giant, uh, giant pussy like things now. Like the <laughs> like the the mobile port it doesn't look very good. But it's the same game. Um, and then so I have some working proficiency in Japanese, and I was in Tokyo in September, and I picked up uh, an Ace Attorney game. I really like the Ace Attorney games that are it is it is not available in the States. Very sorry, everyone. Um, and it is set in like rather than be the present day plot with Phoenix Wright and everyone, it's set in like the Meiji area of Japan where you're playing as his ancestor in like this old Japanese court. And I really like the sort of historical context and I really like how it plays with that era of history. And it has like Sherlock Holmes in it, but Sherlock Holmes, uh, his companion instead of being watson a guy is like an eight-year-old genius girl with pink hair oh so it's very (laughs) it's very penny from uh, inspector gadget yeah so it's very very weird but it's a puzzle it's a it's a it's a puzzle game that relies a lot on words and it's very very cleverly written from what i don't have to like sit down and take 10 minutes to look up when i don't recognize like a kanji character but um I really, I really like it. I really like those kind of puzzle games, and I think uh, playing it in a language you're trying to learn is a really good way to learn the language. So that's what I've been playing. So, are you using it as a as a way to sort of brush up your Japanese? Are you sitting down with a with a dictionary at, at your right hand? You know that kind of thing. Yeah, I uh, I like take. I used to be way better at it than I am now, and then I sort of got out of practice. So I'm like, oh, I should. I deal a lot with Japanese developers, so I'm start trying to like get back on the train. Um, but yeah, I know I'll have that and then I'll have my iPad with like this electronic, like, um, electronic dictionary. I almost said the word in Japanese and no one would understand what I said <laughs> An electronic dictionary, um, you know, at my right hand. So whenever I see like a kanji, I don't know, or like a word, I don't know, I can just type it in. Um, I have like a Japanese keyboard enabled on my iPad and I'll just type it in, look it up and I can be like, Oh, okay. And then sort of move on. It's Rad. Taking me a while because there's a lot of verb tenses and Japanese languages like they put this, they front load the subject and then put the verb at the end, no matter what you're saying. So it's slow going, but I really like the game. <laughs> that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. That is the <laughs> coolest thing like that. I, you're spending your days just, you know, that's that's rad. Uh, I love it. But let's talk a little bit about the Final Fantasy seven uh, <laughs> butt port that you're talking <laughs> about. The butt port. The, the butt port. You told um, me this is a clean podcast. Yes. I don't <laughs> apologize to everyone. Um, <laughs> so obviously you are massive JRPG fan, have played the Final Fantasies. Uh, first of all, tell me excitement level, expectations for the remake, and like what your replay through Final Fantasy seven is kind of revealing that you may not have expected uh, about about the game. So Final Fantasy VII is not my favorite Final Fantasy. Uh, six is the best one, mm-hmm. obviously. But um, seven, I uh, I don't know. I think that seven, like when I played it, I remember it very fondly. And I thought it was very good. It was a landmark title for the PlayStation. It was ahead of its time when it came out. Yeah, it like was blocky and sort of looked weird. But that was like the pinnacle of what we could achieve at the time. And it was this beautiful this beautiful moment in time achievement of narrative and storytelling and gameplay. And I really liked it. Um, fast forward 
to the thousand spinoffs that they have. Uh, they did a first-person shooter in the Final Fantasy VII universe. They did, you know, a CGI movie where they sort of diminished the potency of the villain from Final Fantasy VII. And they did a bunch of spinoffs with side characters that sort of really watered down the lore. Mm-hmm. So my memories of Final Fantasy VII now as a 27-year-old human is like, oh my gosh, like that universe is so full of junk and I cannot stand it. And people that get really crazy about Final Fantasy VII and I'm sort of like, like Anthony agrees with me. Anthony hates Final Fantasy VII. So we just mm-hmm. kind of like roll our eyes at people. However, I am really excited um, to replay the game in a new way. I'm not talking about the port. I'm talking about the remake. Um, as a multi-part series, uh, they're probably going to play around with uh, some of the side elements, maybe some of the narrative elements. And I'm really excited to uh, take in that story in a brand new way. It's like reading the same version of, of like a, of a folktale that, you know, like reading different versions from maybe different cultures. And it's like, Oh, okay. Like this is how this story has evolved where it was spread. Mm -hmm. So this is final fantasy seven, the story evolving. And I'm really excited to get it as episodes. Um, Although people aren't really happy about it because people were expecting the one-to-one remade beautiful Final Fantasy VII and we're going to get it. Uh, and it's being done by CyberConnect too, which means the combat's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. But I think that people that are really upset about the format should sort of slow their roll and take a deep breath because they're getting what they wanted and iteration is good. Um, that's, that being said, going back to the Final Fantasy VII port... Um, I really like the, I remember the story, the whole man versus the environment um, and natural forces and stuff like that. But, oh man, some of that dialogue, real rough, Mm. real rough. Like, it's like, it is like JRPG over the moon. I am so cheesy and angsty and sad and clouds character is so hyperbole. And it's like, oh my God. And at the time it was like, this is what I want out of life. We didn't know any better. We didn't know any better. This is the best writing in video games. Well, we were also (laughs) angsty and melodramatic because we were all 13 and our boyfriend or girlfriend (laughs) didn't give us a note back in social studies. So we related with Cloud. Now we're divorced with 10 kids and child support. You know, I want that Cloud. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that that will be the final episode of Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's just Cloud by himself. With his with his kids, um, yeah. No, I really I'm enjoying replaying it. I have a friend who has never played a Final Fantasy game, so we're playing it together. Um, and he's sort of like, oh, oh, is this what everyone's excited about? And I have to be like, wait, wait, wait. I promise it gets better. And maybe we should have started with six or nine or ten. Uh, uh, cr- don't listen to them when they talk about thirteen. And now it's sort of like, well, all right. I guess this is a good place to start, if any, because it's the one that so many people are talking about. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, another question for you uh, to change gears a little bit. Uh, we've been doing all through December. We've been having our guests tell us their game of the year this year. I know you guys are working hard on that at GameSpot, but I don't want to spoil anything. But if you had to pick one game of the year for yourself, your personal favorite all year, what would it be? Uh, Tales from the Borderlands. Wow. Without hesitation. That game is so good. I don't give any craps about the Borderlands universe. Like, I don't care. I've played them. They're fine. I could never really, I'm not a big on, big on first person shooters and the world has always interested me, but it's like, I don't really care. Um, I am a big fan of Tales from the Borderlands one, because it makes me care about that universe in a way that 
I never really got a chance to because instead of being these like powerful vault hunters, you are the little guy. You're a Hyperion employee and a grifter just trying to get by, steal some money and live a life without getting shot in the face. Um, and the way that they do characterization in that game, coupled with the way that the story branches out, like there's so many, like when they say Telltale's like, oh, like you can have multiple different endings based on your choices. Like that is the game that Telltale has made in the past like two years that really, really, really lets you sort of spread out and dig into choices. And I've replayed the whole series twice now and it ended in very different ways. Um, wow. And and the performances, the, the leads are played by Troy Baker and Laura Bailey, so you know it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, but the way that they bounce off each other and the way and they don't have a romantic relationship, so there's no like cheesy love story. Um, but the way that all the characters play off each other and the way the dialogue is written is very smart. Like it's very sassy and very just like very heartfelt. And there's a couple of a couple of really really like emotional gut punch moments that I never really got from Borderlands proper. But getting them in this sort of narrative-driven series, I'm just like, oh, man, this is horrible. And I feel like a terrible person. This game is amazing. So that is my game of the year. Wow. I, this is the first time I've heard anybody talk it, it, that way about that game. Christian, did you play yeah. it? I have it. I have not touched it. I have been telltaled out. But it is on my things to get to eventually. Didn't didn't Andrea Renee come on the show and like completely rip rip into that game? I, just, <laughs> I can't. I think somebody came on and said they didn't like it. Well, let's say but, it was Andrea because one way or another we'll find out from her if we yeah, say it was her. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> she will be either mad or or grateful to us. Um, but wow, that's great. Now now it's I leapt to the top of my got to make time for it list um, because that's very high praise indeed. That's great. It's so good. I went into it being like, oh man, like here's another property done by telltale and like i played the first episode in like an empty theater for a press event it was me in a theater with my controller playing on a giant screen and i was laughing my butt off and then um it just every episode there's one episode that's like oh okay this i guess this is fine but man does that deliver deliver on like emotion and story like i just i don't know i can't like say it enough like that game is absolutely phenomenal uh, I apologize for those noises. That was it, are there people hearing that? Yeah. I thought it was just... Okay. I, no, <laughs> my fault, my fault. My, I apologize. I should have turned on quiet hours before I started. Um, but that's that's amazing. Uh, are you... Have you played... Did you play the Game of Thrones and the... Are you, are you like Telltale Hardcore or or uh, this was the one? So I like I love Telltale stuff. I have reviewed... This is... I reviewed Tales from the Borderlands. Of course, this is just me like rehashing my reviews. But I reviewed both both Tales and Game of Thrones this year. I played them both and along with Life is Strange, Don't Nod's episodic thing. Um, so I was on all the episodic games this year and it drove me nuts because I was doing like a review a week. I averaged like wow. something was coming out. But Tales from the Borderlands was phenomenal. Game of Thrones felt a little soulless to me. Like... Mm. It was a good it was a good game and I really enjoyed it in the end but as far as like using the Game of Thrones property like I don't really like I they had some of the characters in there I didn't really care about them I really liked the original characters they had a couple of really great ones um but in the end I just think that Game of Thrones sort of missed the mark and uh, uh the Life is Strange uh, Don't Nod's episodic series had three very strong episodes and then I think petered out in the last two I know people love it but I didn't like the last two episodes. But it's still great. So if you love that sort of stuff, you could play it. But I think of everything that has come out from Telltale in the past two years, like Wolf Among Us was was good. Walking Dead Season 2 was good. Um, 
Game of Thrones is good. Tales of the Warlands is the best thing that they've put out in the past years. So let me ask you this question. We, you know, we just got the announcement at the Game Awards of, of the Batman Telltale game. What's your expectations mm-hmm. for that? Are you, are you, what kind of game do you want it to be? Do you want to be playing as Batman or just have Batman in the world with you? What, what are you thinking? So I don't know anything about the game, but I know the guy who's writing it. And I'm very confident in this game, in the game because it's the guy who wrote uh, the end of Walking Dead season two and the guy who wrote who headed up Tales from the Borderlands. So that's mm. this is his game. So I'm very excited about it. And um, I am hoping based on the press release, I'm hoping it's a game about Batman trying to be Bruce Wayne and not trying to be Batman like him struggling right. to balance his personal life and maybe get some like butt kicking on the side. But I think that's sort of the stuff that that uh, that Telltale goes towards. And I know that they're working on a Marvel game as well, which is coming out next year. They announced it, I think, earlier this year. So I'm hoping that Marvel game is the same thing. Like what made Jessica Jones so good is you had a superhero who wasn't trying to be a superhero. They were trying to solve problems without relying on, okay, here's my like super alter identity. And that's why I love Jessica Jones. And I'm hoping that that sort of informs how Telltale does Batman and Marvel. I completely agree. I I think that (laughs) the Batman game, I would love it to be very light on action and very heavy on world's greatest detective. Like make it, make it the world's greatest detective game. Mm-hmm. The Marvel one. I'm a little, you know, it depends on which character they pick, right? We don't know. We know Batman is going to be a Batman game, but we don't know which character the Marvel ga- game is going to be. And I hope it's not, if it's an Avengers game, I don't want it to be <laughs> like Tony Stark and you know, Steve Rogers and the hanging out. I, that's a little bit different to me. If it's a, if it's like a Peter Parker game, Mm. Then you're then that's much more interesting because we have like Peter Parker's kind of cool, you know, trying to hang out in school and there's bad guys happening and mid- all of that tension is great. I think he's a stronger out of costume character than any of the Avengers are. But uh, it's going to be really interesting to see which Marvel character they pick or they got, <laughs> you know. Have you read uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye? Yes. Oh, Yes, I think that would be a phenomenal basis. I don't know if that's, you know, it seems like a long shot for them to do that, but amazing book yes oh yeah something like that where it's like him not being a superhero i'm hoping that's what i'm hoping for (laughs) yeah for sure um (laughs) christian how about you what's on your uh your playlist uh three things we can kind of start with i'll do newer things first and then can dovetail with splatoon that i've put more time into but uh it is sparrow racing league happening right now in destiny it's a timed um event for owners of the taken king i think i forget when it ends sometime i don't know it's three weeks two weeks whatever it is it's going on right now it's free if you have the taken king uh kind of down there by the daily um tasks daily challenges part of the game and um two courses you get some pretty cool gear uh it's fun but i'm glad it's free like i think if this type of thing that people paid five ten dollars for i think they'd be a little upset about its lack of depth after you've played the races a couple of times you've seen what there is to see you're just then grinding to get some of the high level gear that can drop from the races and i think critics will say well that's all you do in destiny the game anyway (laughs) is keep grinding the same things to get high level gear uh yeah i get that i get that critique um, I think the core game of Destiny, though, is more fun, left trigger, right trigger, going around a world with your friends and, you know, how you combine to take down enemies and stuff like that is, is more satisfying than continuing to race the same courses over and over and over again with very 
diff- little to differentiate each race from the other. The sparrows themselves have not been changed at all in terms of their handling or function. You get a faster sparrow after you race a little bit, so it makes it a little easier. Um, but you're going through gates and doing some tricks off of jumps and whatever. But it's not um, it's not the replacement for Wipeout. It will not scratch that F-Zero itch. I think, if anything, it will just make you want a new F-Zero and a new Wipeout more. I'm a, did either one of you dive into Sparrow Racing League, Sparrow League Racing? Mm-mm. Uh, I don't play Destiny. <laughs> I did not mind talking uh, the whole time then. <laughs> but it's fun. Yeah. If you haven't checked it out, I did get some pretty sweet gear. Uh, I got an incredible helmet. Um, I think right now my character is, I think I'm level 40, like 280 light, something like that. So not I'm not the highest ranked Destiny player in the world, but you know I'm doing it. I know what I'm doing sometimes. <laughs> did you see that they announced this week that there's going to be uh, another Taken King size update by spring? Oh gosh! Did they announce pricing? No, because they, they were very non-specific about what it's going to be. They just said another piece of content the size of Taken King is coming before spring or by spring. Yeah, I heard rumors of that. I haven't seen the official announcement. It's interesting because I feel like Destiny PR's biggest problem is running their mouth, and it always has been. Um, <laughs> from like the game's announcement to what it released as to what the game is, even after it came out, and people said it's not that to what the Taken King is going to fix and how you'll throw your money at the screen. And then they put in microtransactions and they say, well, it's because the other updates are now going to be free. And then everybody looking at the big Activision contract that got leaked because of the lawsuits going on and Activision saying like, hey, dog, you got one big expansion coming out every year. <laughs> um, so I'm curious what this can be. It, I, I don't know if it will deliver content and value. I don't know how many times you can ask another $60 from people to fix the game. But as we'll talk about in a couple of weeks, I really enjoy Destiny. So maybe. Ooh, teasy teaser. Maybe, a maybe. Teasy teaser. Um, uh, what else are you talking about, bro? Uncharted 4 multiplayer beta to be totally transparent. I'm invisible. Um, I, I did play some of this at Naughty Dog's offices on their Twitch channel uh, on Friday. I think that archive Ooh. should be up. I've played a bunch on my own. Have either of you dove into the beta no a little bit oh okay well you can go first then because you sound like you hate it <laughs> i don't i don't hate <laughs> it i mean i'm the one who doesn't like playing with other people remember <laughs> right. um but i really i don't know i don't know how i feel about the supernatural elements like i play the other the other uncharted multiplayer is because it was something i felt like i had to play but i feel like the supernatural stuff um it's it's cool but it's also not cool like it's straddling the fine line between like Oh, this is like a really neat, creative, cool addition, and ugh, you know, I don't know. How do you feel about it? I think that's interesting. I actually asked the guys <laughs> when I was at Naughty Dog about that because I think they're quietly becoming a multiplayer powerhouse, and no one thinks of them or their games for that. Whereas Uncharted Two, it was kind of the shoe in. This is horrible. Uncharted mm-hmm. Three, I think it had some legs, and people really enjoyed it. Um, Last of Us multiplayer won over a lot of fans, even though it was you had to convince your friends to play it because after you played the game, you're like, no, I'm done with that. I can't, uh, <laughs> I can't load that game up again. Um, and then Uncharted 4's multiplayer, it's interesting. I think the easier approach would have done to somehow would have been to have somehow shoved the Last of Us approach into an Uncharted world where maybe artifacts are rare so that deals with the scarcity stuff that was in last of us but they didn't i mean they went back to uncharted and looked to make it indiana jones fun i mean one of the things you can unlock <laughs> is a 
leather fedora or whatever, right? And you have a, a chain <laughs> no. whip that you're swinging on trees from and jumping around and rolling around and throwing artifacts that call in demon spirits. Um, I think it's a lot of fun. I think the problems it has right now are, so you can bring in these artifacts, uh, these enchanted items that will, you know, they're like supers or specials that you unlock with uh, in-game money. Talking about currency in games that have like eight different versions is tough. But as you kill people, uh, points. Uh, as you kill people, as you do things, you get these points. And you can use them to unlock, to call up in-game like an RPG, a one-time RPG, strengthen your grenade, a supernatural weapon, or a support character that can be like a sniper that you can drop at a, at a spot and we'll sit there and snipe. Or, um, oh gosh, what's the big brute? A big brute, I forget what they call him in this game, that walks around with a chain gun. Um, and as you use them, it becomes more expensive to use them again, but... If you are playing against a team or if you are a team that it has strategy going for it, some of these assists seemed overpowered quickly where I would my tips for the beta, which I think is has now ended. <laughs> it ends today if it's uh, not already done. Uh, you see teams that would launch with like two smoke bombs. They'd get up points and then throw a supernatural, like a totem in there that's killing people and then drop two snipers and bell towers that you can't see because there's smoke. And then the fourth person on the team unlocks the bruiser, the brute to come through. And if you're playing against a group of randoms and you've done that, you win. I mean, you're up 15 to zero before the match starts because <laughs> these oh. dudes, I mean, it's good AI controlled sniper up in a bell tower. It's a guy with a chain gun walking through a smoke grenade that you can't see just laying down fire while there are still four human-controlled players flanking you. <laughs> um, that being said, I think if they can get the balance right to this, and every time I've played the beta, it's a new version, so that they're constantly updating something. The game is also three months away. I am cautiously optimistic. I don't think that this will be a game that takes the multiplayer world by storm still. I think that's an uphill battle that Naughty Dog has to overcome, and I don't know if they will. I don't know if people will think of them as that um but from what i've played i really enjoy it uh so i'm cautiously optimistic cool man yeah um and splatoon like splatoon is definitely on that list of games where i feel like i really should play more of that to be able to consider it for game of the year because so many people are talking about it for game of the year but i just i don't have it and i i don't know it doesn't seem like it's going to be one that gets its hooks into me but has it gotten its hooks into you i will loan it to you anytime you want it for me serves the same role as battlefront where i enjoy getting into it and playing it for a few rounds and it's light fun palette cleanse um game but at no point am i sitting there at four hours later thinking one more match i sit down i play a couple and i feel very content having had fun which i think a game should be but uh tease for a couple of weeks it will not uh it will not be my favorite of the year well Speaking of Star Wars Battlefront, I uh, I have oh. to thank I have to thank Paul because you know week after week I came on here and said, "Do I get it? Do I not get it? What am I doing? Am I doing it, guys? Am I getting it?" And Paul said, uh, "Shut up, Jeff. Here's a code. I got it for you." <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. Very nice of him. So thank you, Paul. Uh, he got it for me for PC, uh, which is gorgeous. Uh, it, it is really quite beautiful on the PC, and. Um, I have been playing a fair amount of it. I, I have to admit, I've been playing more Heroes of the Storm than I have been playing Star Wars Battlefront. So that shows you what where the hooks are. But there was there any doubt? There is no doubt that Heroes of the Storm. I just this week there was like a 
bonus XP and they had a big sale and I just I've been playing a lot of Heroes of the Storm guys. But um I do uh, appreciate I I do like Battlefront more than the average multiplayer shooter and and really the reason is the thing that everybody says which is it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And you know I've sort of reached peak Star Wars frenzy right now. I'm seeing the movie tonight. Um I know. I had to throw that in cuz I'm uh, so excited. Um but uh so yeah it is it is it is wonderfully Star Wars, and it, every new map that I that I got to try, I was like, "Oh, this! Oh, look how good that looks! Oh my! Oh, Endor! Ooh, Endor you know, like, is beautiful. Oh, Endor is amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like the way it, it, it looks wet everywhere, and it's just it feels like a rainforest, and you know, and then but but also like the big dry outdoor rocky levels are amazing, and the snow is amazing. I mean, it's. It's just a marvel to behold. But every moment that I play it, I go, man, man, a single-player campaign would be great in this engine. <laughs> Boy, a single-player campaign would be wonderful. Um, so I don't know. It, I think it's a wasted opportunity. I really do. I, I think that – I'm hoping that Wait, somewhere – in on, some. On, sorry, sorry, sorry. I want to dive into that. What, what's the wasted opportunity? Creating a beautiful engine and not having a single-player game behind it? Yeah. Or not doing a single-player Star Wars? Well, both, but the the first one more. Like the, I, I'm hoping there's somebody in a room somewhere working on the single player game using this exact engine. Like, just take all these assets and just build a scripted situation. And it doesn't even have to be original Star Wars story. Just let me play through four, five, and six. The stories of four, five, and six, or not even the whole story. Just build moments from those movies using the actual levels you already have. Um, I, I would love that and make it, you know, give me AI adversaries and maybe running through, I'm saving an Ewok and hopping on a speeder and, you know, give me the battle of Endor, give me the battle of Hoth, give me, I know you already play those with, with other people, but I want to, I'm definitely more in the Alexa Ray camp. <laughs> give me, <laughs> give me, give me myself by myself in a rave. I'm happier. Says the guy <laughs> whose favorite game is Heroes of the Storm. Oh, by the way, here's the storm's amazing, guys. <laughs> Playing with other people is the best. I mean, I, I feel like, and I, as a guy who I'm knows nothing contradiction. About, <laughs> about game design, I wonder what that engine can handle AI-wise or uh, single-player level-wise, right? I mean, it loads a big map for Walker Assault. It's a pretty big map, but it's not uh, Grand Theft Auto V. It's not – what would load times be? What would hallways be like? Well, I mean, it's it's – it's the frostbite engine, right? There's a single player battlefield, you know, game, right? Sure. Battlefield four has a single player. So yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. I don't know. I don't know what the uh, spit and polish put on it, but at that same time being said, it is an EA game and it is dice and it is the frostbite engine, which everything they make is. So yeah, there is definitely, there's more than someone in a the room. There are a bunch of people not home with their families for the holidays working on that single-player game for you, Jeff. I hope. I, I mean, I don't hope about the family thing. Although, you know, what? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk. <laughs> um, I also, you know, there was a, uh, a thread on our subreddit uh, from Brunti, B-R-U-N-T-T-I, who posted a uh, recommendation to try uh, this game. It alerted me to the fact that it existed. I was not even um, hip to this. It's kind of a surprise release. Uh, a, a game from the creator of The Stanley Parable. It's called... Dr. Langeskov, the tiger, and the terribly cursed emerald, a whirlwind heist. What? Have you guys heard of this or played it? I've read no. it in the subreddit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great title. Great title. Uh, rolls off the tongue. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, I, 
I don't think this is a spoiler, but if you don't want to know anything about this game, first of all, the game is free to play. So there's no reason not to try it. It takes 20 minutes to play through the entire game. It's kind of like the Stanley Parable where you're going to – different things you do. You might want to play through it multiple times because different things you do will cause different things. It's very funny. It's very uh, dependent on voiceover, the person talking to you as you go through. The, so it's very much the Stanley Parable-esque. Um, so if you don't want to know anything about it, I would recommend – I highly recommend playing it. But what I – so skip forward you know, a minute and a half. If you don't want to know anything about it, I won't spoil anything in particular, but I'm going to spoil the premise, which is kind of it's kind of fun how it's revealed. But uh, it's it's as if there is a video game happening and you are behind the scenes of that video game. It's a first person walking around. There's a guy in your ear who's sort of like the stage manager of a player playing a video game. And you are in this sort of backstage area, the other side of which is the video game. And you are, like, pushing buttons and flipping switches to create effects for that person in the video game. Interesting. So the guy on the, on the headset is like, oh, okay, okay, the player is – he's moving into the mansion area. G- give him some lightning. That will spook him out. And you push a button and lightning happens. Um, and he's constantly talking to you. It's very funny. It's so clever. Uh, and, again, it takes 20 minutes start to finish to play through a, 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 in, in one sitting. And I and it's free, so there's really no reason not to play this game. I highly recommend it. It's on Steam. Um, I won't reveal any of the fun twists that happen, but there's lots of different things that can happen based on in the same same way that Stanley Parable. It's based on whether you follow instructions or don't follow instructions, and um, it, it does this wonderful thing of like he'll constantly explain to you this amazing stuff that the player is seeing. So it works on this meta level of like, no, you are actually the player and you don't get to see all the awesome graphics that they worked on because you're behind the scene, right? You just get this static like wall that you're looking at. But he's like, oh, that you should see the – it's so great. It, the graphics are – you know, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, so very, very clever. Again, that's called Dr. Langeskov, the Tiger, and the Terribly Cursed Emerald, a Whirlwind Heist. Sounds Highly expensive though. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very fun. Very fun game. Um, okay, guys, um, let's, uh, let's carve out a little bit of tabletop time, shall we? Tabletop time, tabletop time. Right now, right now. Lexa Ray, you were telling me that, uh, your friends are becoming, it's catching on, catching on the, the board gaming tabletopping experience. Yeah. Yeah, we uh, haven't really been big board game people, but now all of a sudden it's board games every weekend. <laughs> We're doing it, guys. It's happening. <laughs> Catch the wildfire. Get on board, as I used to say. <laughs> Get on board. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about um, a game I played last night. I was, <laughs> I you know, I'm often, as Christian can attest, I'm often the guy that brings the game to the party um, and forces people to play it. Uh, or I like to say gets people excited about playing it. Uh, but last night was a, a flip the script situation where I went to a party and they presented a game for us to play. And it was a game I actually had never heard of. Uh, it's not that old. It came out it's in 2010. Keys. Put your key in this bowl, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> yeah. I went to the party in 1974. It was amazing. Um, no, this is a game called uh, Anomia. I believe it's called is, is the way it's pronounced. Anomia. Uh, A-N-O-M-I-A. It's a, uh, it's a fun party game, and you can play with lots of, lots of people. Basically, the idea is there's these decks of cards that have 
uh, symbols on them, simple symbols, and they also have a category of thing, like presidents or cheeses or makes of car or whatever. Uh, and uh, in turn, in the circle, you're sitting in a circle, in turn, each person flips over a card in front of them. And you keep going around, everybody flipping over a card. And as soon as the symbol that's on a card matches the symbol of a card that's already in front of somebody else, a, a card they've already flipped over, then the player who just flipped over the card that matches has to say uh, a thing in the category of the other player's card. So if I flip over a card and Christian and I both have a circle symbol on our cards, he has to say something in the category of my card before I say something in the category of his card. So we're both shouting something out as quickly as we can, but we're not saying the thing we just flipped over. We're saying the thing of the other person. So as you can imagine, it is a wild and wacky sort of party game fun, but uh, I really had a great time with this game. It's a really fun Simple thing. It's a it's a really uh, approachable party game. Um, anomia, by the way, is a word which means like the word you can't think of. Um, so it, it's funny how often you'll see a thing and you'll you know a thousand cheeses, but in the moment when it happens, you can't get it. Ah, 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 the person already said a thing. So that's that's kind of the experience of playing that game is like trying to access those parts of your brain fast. And do it in a competitive environment. It's uh, it's simple. It's fun, and I had a good time playing it. So uh, it was a surprise to me. It was it was it was good. Anomia. That sounds like a big nope for me. The, you just described <laughs> the type of game that I hate. <laughs> it's, Why it's is that? You don't like guessing games? It's panic inducing. It's it's this whole <laughs> idea where it's like you show up with this group of friends, and it's like let's see who's smartest and have fun, and then. <laughs> Everyone hates each other at the end of it because you can't think of the thing and you leave divorced. <laughs> I think oh you God. take it a little seriously, Christian. Yeah, again, you've played games with me. This is my problem. Yeah. I'm aware that this is a me thing, but I'm also <laughs> honest and upfront with it and going like, I'll go to Game House and be like, nope, <laughs> not playing that one. All right, fair enough. Um, we got an email sent to uh, dlcfeedback at gmail.com from uh, Richard Colby. He says, uh, what, are your, what are your top five board card games to give as presents for the holidays? He said, two years ago, I gave some family members Cards Against Humanity, and last year it was We Didn't Playtest This at All. I just wanted to get some ideas for this year, and maybe others are looking for ideas as well. Uh, you can always send us uh, emails about Tabletop Time or any other part of the show by, going, by uh, sending emails to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Um, so I thought it'd be fun to uh, give some suggestions for Richard and maybe some other people that are thinking of giving gifts for the holidays. I tend to give board games as, as gifts a lot because I'm that guy that's always proselytizing about board games. Um, I just – it's funny. Yesterday, my wife and I were talking about what we were going to get my nephew who is 11 uh, and he has, you know, he has his list of things. And I was like, oh, let's screw the list. Well, let's oh, not Jeff. get him anything on his list. Let's get him a board game. And my wife was like, what? No, come on. He's got a list. It's his list. Look, get him a thing on the list. And I was like, no, he's going to get the thing on the list from everybody in the family. Yeah. Do you know I'm going to be the cool uncle that gets him the thing he didn't know he wanted. Oh, no, man. Uh, well, you think I'm the worst? Yes. No, I'm the best. Jeff. That's where you're wrong. I'm the best. The holidays aren't aren't all about gift giving, but if you're gonna do a dumb board game that's gonna make him a nerd at school, <laughs> you got to get him something from the list too. Get the cheapest thing on the list, 
plus nerds on boards or whatever game you're going to get. <laughs> so, oh my god. I we can, I'm right. Don't wife, laugh that off. <laughs> my, no, I'm going to tell you what the result of what happened. My wife and I were having this uh, this discussion and uh, she was very much adamant about, you know, don't don't get him a thing that's not on his list. And I texted my sister uh, who is his mother and I said, uh, hey, uh, I know uh, I last on his birthday I gave him a board game and uh, not what he you know, asked for. Uh, I was thinking about doing that again, it, but I don't want to you know, get him something on his list. There's concern that that will be disappointing. My sister writes back, no, he loves that board game. He plays it all the time and he didn't even know he wanted it. It's a really great gift. So take that, Spicer. Your <laughs> sister is very kind to you. And she also did. She also include leave the Amazon gift receipt uh, with the. Gift. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so I ended up getting him uh, Mice and Mystics. <laughs> Mice and Mist- Mice and Mystics. It's cool. It's for that age group. I think it's awesome. It's sort of like my first Dungeons and Dragons, and, and he can play with his uh, six-year-old brother. Oh, um, I, I've played that. Mice and Mystics. Yeah, it's like that thing that I didn't ask for. <laughs> I totally got hooked. You totally hooked me in, man. That's me. All right. So that was just a side story. I want to I answer Richard Colby's question. Uh, he said, Cards Against Humanity the year before, and then we didn't play test this at all uh, last year. So those are both uh, wacky, silly, no strategy games. They're crazy. Uh, I'm sure you, everybody here has played at least one of those. Um, so clearly, I mean, he's not looking for like heavy strategy stuff. I would suggest, uh, he said top five games. So I, I came up with five that I think would work really well for this category and maybe push you into the next category uh, slightly, slightly more uh, uh, strategic. Um, so Going, Going, Gone is an awesome game. It's a, have we talked about that on the show? Probably we have. Uh, it's a wacky game about um, auctioning and collecting sets of things like comic books or paintings or whatever. It doesn't matter what they are. They're little cards. Um, but the way you do the auction is you have these little uh, wooden cubes in your hand and you and game comes with six plastic cups. And on the count of three, everybody throws as many of the cubes as, as they want into each cup. And it, whoever has the most cubes of their color in a cup wins the thing the card associated with that cup so it's literally this mad dash of like tossing cubes and trying to figure out if you have enough and and one player is counting down five four three two one and closing off the tops of the cups with this board that comes in the game and they can do that as fast or as slow as they want so it's just wacky and wild and it's it's chaotic because people are tossing things at each other uh, but I have found it to be very, very popular with people who don't usually play board games. So that's called Going, Going, Gone. Uh, Codenames is a, a very much the, the game du jour. Big hit this year. It's a guessing game, like Password, where you have a grid of, of words uh, all on cards. And one and two teams, one player from each team is giving a, a password, a code word, to try to get their team to guess as many of the words on the cards as they can but each of the code givers, the one player who knows the, the, the code to give on each team, has a chart that, uh, that specifies which of the cards in the grid is their teams and which of the card in the grid is the other teams. So you're trying to get your, your team to guess your cards and not the other team's cards. 
Uh, really, really fun and clever. It works for all ages. Highly, highly recommended. It. It's less than 20 bucks. It's called Codenames, and it's great. Uh, Wits and Wagers is always great. I always recommend Wits and Wagers. One of my favorite party games ever. I think it might be my favorite party game ever. Um, it's a game. Uh, it's a guessing game, but it's, it's for Christian. It's for people like Christian. It's about, it doesn't matter if you know the answer or not. In I fact, played it the, and I like it. Yeah, you like it, right? Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you know the answer. It, it, it's, it's asking questions that you're not going to know the answer to. And it's all about sort of group think and trying to figure out where to put your money rather than where to answer the right question. Wits and wagers is that one. And then two that are sort of more in the category of like uh, uh, more strategic, I guess. A little, little more, more complex, but still great. Splendor, which I know, Christian, you, you advocate for as well, right? Mm-hmm. I've played it and I like it. Splendor is uh, is an actual uh, strategic um, hobby board game uh, about getting points in a gem market, but it's really easy to explain and it's really fun. I highly recommend that one. And then Sheriff of Nottingham, which I think falls into his category of being wacky and uh, irreverent because you are lying to your friends, um, but uh, but also has a level of strategy and is sort of bringing you into that hobby board game space as well. Uh, it's called Sheriff of Nottingham. You're, you're Robin Hood and his merry, man, merry band of, of, of uh, outlaws trying to smuggle things past the sheriff. One player, uh, it rotates, but one player each round plays the sheriff and has to decide whether you, they think you are trying to smuggle things or not. And you are physically putting stuff into a bag. And the sheriff decides whether he's going to call you on whether he thinks there's contraband in that bag or not. Uh, and it's uh, a game of uh, are you lying? Do I think you're lying, or do I not think you're lying? And um, we had fun with that one, right, Christian? Yeah, it's good. It's not my favorite, but it it you know it it scratches that itch of uh, I don't know what's happening, and it's funny. Yeah. So that's uh, that's five games that I think would fit for Richard Colby's uh, list, and maybe anybody's list. But I would say I am getting a lot of tweets lately of people asking for board game suggestions for the holidays. Chances are. Chances are, if you are trying to get into hobby board games, the best bet for you is to just buy Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride is the best answer for almost any, should I buy a, what board game should I buy question. It is a, a, a perfect introductory game. It works for anybody. It's easy to teach. It's hard to master. It's wonderfully strategic. It plays quickly. It's everywhere. You can buy it at almost any store that sells board games at all. Um, and it's uh, highly recommended. But Ticket also, to oh, sorry, go yet. Ticket to ride. Also, Uno. No one talks about Uno. It's a great game. It took Xbox you Live the... by storm. Back. In you the play day. Uno with your daughters? I haven't yet right. because one is only seven months old. But it is um, to wow. be lined up as one of. I mean, it's a great game for all ages. And I, I'm sincere when I say it. I like Uno. <laughs> yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with Uno. Like I said, you know, I play a lot of dominoes with my in-laws. I play a lot of regular card games. There's nothing wrong with any of that stuff. I just am trying to, you know, expand people's knowledge about the the cool European hobby board game world. But uh, yeah, uh, Alexa Ray, are you? Um, uh, what, what are the games that your group? Do you know any of the titles of the games that your group is sort of getting into? Uh, I forgot the one that we played on Thanksgiving. It's, uh, but it's like so. You're all a robber. Or like a heist burglar of some sort. <laughs> That's a and steals steals heists. Yeah, a, a, a heist burglars, and I mentioned, oh God, the name is on the is on the tip of my tongue. Um, but you, um, you everyone has a foam pistol. Oh, and, ash and guns. 
Yeah, that's it. That's it. That's it. Um, and you have the five, five cards, three of which are bullets, two of which are blanks. And, uh, on the count of three, everyone has to pick someone to shoot. And then, um, at the count of three, you can decide whether to lay down your character, um, and miss any shots being fired your way, or you can stay up and take any damage, but also, uh, you get a chance to like pick, um, like a, like a diamond or a piece of art and sort of collect, collect, uh, I'm explaining this very badly, um, which is why I don't play many board games. So I'm very bad at explaining things. Um, and collect them to sort of, uh, at the end, whoever has the most stuff or the most valued stuff wins. Uh, we played that. That was really cool. And then there's a game called Camp Grizzly that was kickstarted uh, last year that um, I think was sent out to backers recently. And a friend of mine got a copy. So we were playing. And it is uh, Friday the 13th, the board game. Oh, that sounds fun. It's probably my, it, we had the most fun with it. Everyone is a camp counselor in this camp called Camp Grizzly. And there's a bad guy named Otis with a mask and a hatchet who's trying to kill everyone. And uh, the way that you play is there's a bunch of different cabins on the board and you have to collect the remaining campers and protect them. And each camper grants you some sort of ability. Like if you pick up a girl who's a Girl Scout, she can uh, she gives you like one extra space that you can move when you roll. Or if you have a child who's very easily frightened, they slow you down. So you have to subtract one space from every uh, every time you roll. Um, and these campers can be killed, which is terrible and counts against you. But the object of the game is to keep as many counselors alive as possible and get them to one of three possible final scenarios. Like one is like you bribe the park ranger and climb a tower and push him off. And one is you get away in a boat and one is you escape in a van. And you have to collect three items on the board for either one of these scenarios. So someone could have keys and someone could have rope and someone else could have like a motor. And it's like, okay, we have enough materials for the, for ending a, which is the boat. So then you make your way to the boat and the whole time one player is rolling for this bad guy who's coming after you and you roll dice to determine like how much damage you take or whether or not you die. It sounds really complicated, but it's actually a lot of fun because rather than everyone working individually, you're all working together. Yeah, and I really, awesome. I really like it. I don't think it's for sale yet. I wish it was because I would. Yeah, totally I was just buy looking it up. It, it doesn't look like you can buy it, but it, it does. Uh, it supports up to six players, and it looks the components look really good. And uh, it's not something I was aware of, but it's going to be on my radar now. This is cool. It came out a few years ago. I'm surprised that it's not uh, purchasable, or at least it doesn't look to be on any of the sites that I usually find stuff like this um yeah my friends had a copy and they brought it over and they pulled it out and everyone was like oh my god you got a copy of camp grizzly and it was like what so it's a it's a ton of fun and i wish they would start selling it yeah very cool very cool to know about that yeah Uh, awesome uh all right guys that's gonna bring us to the end of this episode we do have our parting gift to give you uh, so stick around for that but in the meantime uh alexa ray korea thank you so much for being here it was yeah, awesome thank you for having me what a fantastic guest you are uh, knowledgeable and fun and it was great so thank you very much Aww. um where can people keep up with your stuff people can keep up with my stuff i tweet a thousand times a day at alexa ray c i tweet whatever comes into my head um which i probably shouldn't um and i am writing pretty frequently on gamespot.com that is my home base very cool. Uh, Christian, how about you? You got anything going on this week? Uh, Twitter's the best way to get in touch with me at Spicer. I am still consistent with my 
Thursday, 1.30 p.m. Pacific Twitch stream. It's uh, just Christian Spicer over on Twitch. And um, I do a couple other podcasts. One, Uninformed Opinions with Stuart Noct, you might know as Wombat from Cheap Ass Gamer Podcast. And the other one is a live call-in show on all things comedy called Bitchin' that Dean Del Rey and I do. It is Tuesdays at 2.30 p.m. Pacific Live. You can call in and we will... Literally talk about whatever you want to talk about. If uh, people don't call, we just fill the space with games, rock, whatever you want to talk about. It goes out on Dean's RSS feed for his show, Let There Be Talk, if you want to find the archived versions of uh, of that. Otherwise, man, it's phase of the year time. I'm I'm really grinding into stuff, and uh, I'm excited. Oh, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, totally. It's been a great year. For movies, it's been a great year for video games. This is really a banner year across the board for for fun stuff. So um, well, it's a pretty exciting time, that's for sure. Uh, there is a chance uh, that we will not have an episode next week for Christmas. So uh, I apologize for that. We may, but uh, I should give you fair warning. It's a, there's a chance because of the holidays that we will not have an episode of DLC next week. Um, so uh, stay tuned to my Twitter to find out uh, for sure, whether we are or not, that's at Jeff Canada with two N's and one T. Um, I also uh, have several other shows you can check out, including Tomorrow Daily, which is on CNET. You can find that at tomorrowdaily.com. It's a fun talk show about geeky stuff, uh, technology and products and all kinds of things uh, with Ashley Esqueda. Highly recommend that. Uh, also, uh, We Have Concerns is a comedy science show I do with Anthony Carboni. Check that out three times a week, 20 minutes uh, per episode. It's pretty fun and easy to digest. Also, the Slash Filmcast. Now, this is a big week for the Slash Filmcast, what with it being Star Wars and all. Uh, so we're going to do a big blowout Star Wars episode on Friday. Uh, so you definitely want to check that out. We also have uh, a new episode this week about Macbeth, which is a really fun one, too, uh, to talk about. Uh, and uh, my uh, video channel at uh, uh, youtube.com slash Jeff. Uh, I will be doing Star Wars content there because uh, I, I'm not going to be able to hold in how I feel. <laughs> uh, so check all of that stuff out, guys. Um, let's uh, let's now get to our parting gift. Hey, give us a suggestion. Lex Ray, do you have uh, something to get people through their week? Um, I was looking at this earlier and I was trying to think of what I think people should get that is not a video game for themselves. And I'm going to go with a foot massage. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I I don't like even like whether your feet like are are like hurting. I got one after PSX and it was the best thing I did for myself. Whether you've been walking around or whether you've been sitting like Nothing changes your day completely, like just getting the part of your body that you use the most, a really nice rub down. So I'm going to go with that. <laughs> That's pretty wonderful. Uh, foot <laughs> massage. You check your local listings. <laughs> for foot massage. Uh, awesome. Christian, how about you? You got a, got a parting gift? Yeah, as we approach the new year, this is the time to put together what your workout plan is going to be if you're getting back into it or want to change something up. And my only recommendation is I will not tell you to do CrossFit or to run or to row or to swim. Whatever you do, do what you do. My only two cents would be from someone that's been very active and formerly very, very good at what I did. Um, Start at a level where you know you can finish and you will do it again the next time you have scheduled to do it. So if you're a runner, don't go run a half marathon your first day. 
because chances are you won't run again Wednesday. Do enough so you can do it again tomorrow. And uh, make the plan now because January 1 will be here before you know it. And then it will be March. And then it will be June. And then it will be next January. <laughs> yeah, I, so I was going to say, you, you uh, now is the time to get your fitness plan. And then two weeks into January, you'll be like, now is the time to drop all your plans. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully you can start yeah, early. And that's why my advice is always to do something that you can stick with. And uh, if you stick with it for a year, you know, turn it up again next year. But uh, so many people like, I'm going to do P90X. No, you're not. No, dude. you haven't done peanut. You haven't done get off the couch X in ten years. <laughs> I don't care. If you were a quarterback in high school. You're not start. Yeah. Start with uh, Q twenty forty or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Everybody asks me about running advice, and my 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 suggestion is always run slower than you think, and consistency is more important than distance. It's it's literally just do it every day or every other day. It doesn't matter how far you go or how fast you go, uh, and that that is the truth. Yep, yep. Uh, um, so I told you guys about this this kind of dinner party I went to last night where we where we played that board game. But there's something else there that I had never heard of, and I'm wondering if you guys have heard of it. Do you, have you guys heard of a, a raclette? I, I looked it up when oh. I saw you post it, and it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. So I had never heard of this. It, it, evidently, it's a Swiss grill. Uh, the raclette is actually, I think, a, a cheese, but it's become the the way you cook the cheese is also sort of interchangeable with the the cheese itself, as far as the name. Um, so it's kind of like fondue, but I think way better. Fondue's kind of a kind of become cheesy. I mean, that's a pun, but it, it's become <laughs> uh, it's become goofy in, in some circles. But I've never heard of this raclette thing. But we went over to the my friend's house. They had this raclette grill. So it is this. This heated grill that has, you know, like a grill surface on top, but underneath the grill surface, it has these little spatulas, a series of little spatulas, and you put cheese on the spatula, and then you put it underneath the grill, and you put like um, vegetables or meats or whatever on the top of the grill, and everybody has their own little station around the, the side of this thing. So you each have your own little spatula and you load up with whatever you want. And then you, you pull the spatula out when the cheese is all bubbly and awesome. And you pour the cheese onto some bread and then you put a little some, – some meats on top of that. And you have a little, some of the grilled vegetables that you did on top. And it's like this serve-yourself kind of communal – Fun thing. And I'm telling you, man, I got home last night and I got on Amazon searching around to buy raclette grills because <laughs> it's awesome. Christian, we'll have to have you and, and your wife over. Did you guys get one? Well, not yet, but I'm gonna. Nice. Oh, my God. That sounds awesome. Yeah, it's so great. It's the, it was so delicious. And it made, you know, it made it fun to sit around and you kind of cook your own meal and you have exactly what you want and you've got your own little station and you do it's this fun communal thing. It was so festive for the holidays. And it's like they do it in the Swiss Alps, you know, so it's very uh, it's great to have a little fire on and, you know, it was awesome. <laughs> raclette, R-A-C-L-E-T-T-E. Search for it. <laughs> All right. Uh, enough about that. Uh, thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. Uh, this has been a very, very fun episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, t- thanks to Alexa Ray Korea and Christian <laughs> Spicer. Uh, thanks to Maggie and uh, all the folks at 5x5. Five Five. Thanks to the folks in our chat room. You guys make the show better every week. We really appreciate you hanging out and contributing. Uh, thanks to all of you who have downloaded and listened to this show. Thanks to Sean Madigan and his wife for the great musical uh, interludes between segments. And uh, we will be back either next week uh, or more likely on the 28th. That 
28th episode is Christian and I laying down our best of the year. We're going to fight it out and try to come up with a consensus of what our DLC game of the year is. So you definitely want to tune into that. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place. 